0: I'm Amanda Wagner, and I'm Liz Pittman, and this is the Amanda Wagner podcast.
1: This podcast is the place for born leaders who are hungry to do something big, something that matters, and who are tired of waiting for an invitation to change the world. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges of bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically, and we share our experiences as women with impatient ambition. The world has enough fluff. This is your invitation to bring your worth to the world and do something that matters. In this episode, we talk about why selling cars is different than selling services, ideas, and experiences. We share why less truly is more when it comes to providing content. And we discuss what it means to be an expert and how to get yourself feeling like more of an expert.
0: And in WWAWD, we have a question about what has been the
1: hardest part of this year? Oh, great question. I'm excited for that one. If you go to buy a car, or even if you haven't bought a car, you can imagine what the experience is like. You will be talking to a salesperson and investigating all the add-ons and the bonus features. I am not sending any shade to people who sell cars, And in fact, I love sales and have often said, I would love the opportunity to moonlight as a car salesperson, because I think I'd be really good at it and get lots of energy from it. I bring up buying a car because when we are creating or selling a service an experience or an idea, sometimes we think it's the same and it's really not. So the car sales model is based on the base model of the vehicle you want. And then everything else that can be added onto it. So you couldn't possibly want the base model. You want the sunroof, the moonroof, the Bluetooth, the giant screen in the driver's seat, doors that open with the sound of your voice. It seems like the base model is simply not an option that anybody wants. So whether it's adding more detail, more bells and whistles, we get trapped in this mindset that we always have to have more, more, more. And when it comes to selling an idea, a service, or an experience, I really do believe that less is more. A personal example of this, I have been in the back end creating a course on intentional hiring for the compliment brand. And my instinct was okay, I have to have all of these details and everything has to be perfect. And in order for me to put the price point on it that I want, I need more detail, I need more modules, bonuses, and extras. And it took me a while of going through this exercise of planning it all out to realize that I got caught up in proving myself, my worth, and really overcompensating. So over the last three months, I had the goal of creating an online course, which meant that I did a lot of research into course development. I went through some of the do's and don'ts. I definitely asked people who have already done this to hear their experiences. And I pay attention to my own experience. What do I like and what don't I like in particular courses? And the common trend that I noticed is that people fall into two camps. Number one, the bonuses, the extras, the 1 million add-ons. This is the, the course that has the bonus Facebook group and the extra module and buy now and you'll get three extra sessions with me and there's always more, more, more. And the other side is the bare bones, I get you from A to B. I've learned that people care way less about all the bells and whistles than they care about the transformation from A to B. And the real value is in simplicity. LP, we look at different conferences, courses, and are in different industries. What is your experience of looking at businesses and companies that are adding more, more, more? It's funny that you mentioned
0: that people care less about the bells and whistles, because I am definitely a person who doesn't care about the bells and whistles. You know, often I'll see people offer a course or a webinar and it covers a range of topics. And I find if you're covering a ton of things at once, it's a real shame. I'm someone who always harps on being intentional with the content that you share or the lessons that you're trying to teach. So while taking a course or signing up for a class or hiring someone who can do many, many things sounds great, I prefer some specificity.
1: I'm similar to you in that I recently purchased a course and was excited by it, opened it up, and learned that there were 20 modules. And I looked at it like, do I have to take three weeks off work to get through this course? I just, I was on mute, but I just like choked on my coffee over here. (laughs) Gross. It was a lot. And... For what it's worth, I have become the person that if I see that there's a private Facebook group or an online community attached to a course, I'm actually less likely to take it. This course is intended to help me get from one place to another and have some type of growth, learning, changed understanding. I don't want to feel obligated to be part of another community because I find that it, it brings out this obligation in me. I feel like I have to prove something. I have to engage because I'm a people pleaser. And the challenge of being a really good student is that I'm like, if you give me homework, I'm going to do it. What happens is it starts to slide below my bar of resentment where I go, why am I putting in so much time to engage in this community, to help other people out, and do a lot more giving than I am taking. So for me, when it came to creating my own course, I wanted to make sure I didn't do that. I've been thinking about why we resist simplicity, and I have three theories. Number one, the overcompensation, the need to prove. If it is simple, it doesn't show people every possible thing that I know, and we get caught up in proving, The second reason we might resist simplicity is because simple can seem to represent inexpensive or invaluable. When something is simple, our brain thinks it's hard to charge for it. When really I want to do kind of a flip and go, if it's simple and can really achieve the goal of going from A to B, that's worth way more money for me. And the third one, and this is where I often catch my clients, adding more and more seems like a really clever procrastination technique. If we add more stuff, it takes us more time to get the damn thing out. It's no joke that I'm like this with packing. When I'm packing for a trip or a weekend, I've always kind of believed that if some is good, more is better. And it's become a joke in my house that when I'm packing, Robin asks if for my 24 hours away, if I'm bringing four or five bathing suits. And with packing, I know it comes from anxiety. I know it comes from this idea that I would rather be looking at it than looking for it. But I don't think we can apply this same mentality to the ideas, experiences, or courses that we are putting out. The content we create is intended to help people get from one point to another, not to lead them on this wild goose chase of a journey where they can't really remember the point. Liz, what do you care the most about when you're purchasing a product, service, course, or experience from someone?
0: When I'm purchasing something from someone, it's quite simple. I want to know that my money is going to someone or to a business is at the top of their game. I work really hard for my money and I want to make that purchase worthwhile. So I want expertise and I want authority to publish on the subject. Um, it, I don't want it to have been a waste of my time or a waste of my money. Give me the solid, accurate, uh, important information and that's, that's
1: all I need, bottom line. I completely agree. I want to know that yes, my hard earned money is going to something of value and I don't have to dig through 36 bonus modules and Facebook units and groups to find the little nugget of what I actually need.
0: Yeah, just lay it out for me. I paid you the money, just give me the product, give me the service, whatever
1: it is, just give it to me. Don't make me work even more for it. Exactly, and full disclosure, in the course I created, I created what I call a bonus module. Didn't change the price. Of what I was doing I simply put it in there as an additional step that if people want to go further I want to make sure they have this resource it is not something I'm using in my sales strategy it's not something I'm using in my marketing as like this is the reason that you should buy it I'm gonna put more cherries on top of the cake instead it's really gonna enhance the experience But at the bare bones of what I'm doing at the true foundation, I know that they will be able to go from point A to point B without all the fluff. This connects to thinking about experts. And Liz, I'm really glad you brought up this idea that I want to learn from somebody who knows their shit, who can translate it well and communicate it meaningfully. And you want to learn from somebody who has an authority, So I find that often it comes from this second guessing that we feel like I'm not an expert enough. So I've been starting to think about what does it really mean to be an expert? When it comes to providing value in a course or to our clients, I really wanna make sure that I am not only coming off as an expert, but I'm truly feeling like an expert. I find that people who are really uncomfortable with this word or deny their expertise. It's because they are so immersed in one topic or one industry and spend so much time learning about it and thinking about it that they assume everybody has that same experience, which isn't true. It's through all their learning and thinking and immersion in it that they're building up their own expertise. I wanna share my own personal experience of truly starting to feel like an expert. And it doesn't just come from how long I've been doing something. Yes, I would agree that I'm not new anymore. What I would also say is that I have soaked up every single ounce of experience and education, and I'm finally embracing my expertise. The wonderful byproduct is that it also means I embrace the expertise of others. I often think about really creative people, designers, photographers. Those are the people that I'm like, I trust you, do your best work, and I will pay you the money. I don't need all the bells and whistles. I need you to do what you're so amazing at, and that is worth my time and money. I also think about people that I turn to in my industry, other business strategists and coaches. I treat them as experts. So why wouldn't I act like one myself? LP, what does it mean for you to be an expert?
0: Being an expert means, one, you know your shit. And not only do you just know your shit, you have a very deep understanding of the subject and are confident in telling others that you know it. Or if you're not the kind of person that has that level of confidence, to say that you know it, you don't shy away from the reality of that when someone else says you're an expert. Because I've seen people in conversations, networking events, where someone will say, this is Joe Schmo, they're an expert in blah. And you see Joe Schmo like kind of blush and be like, ah, well, I don't, I'm not an expert. I, I really, it makes me sad when people don't take that and own that, because um, I feel bad for Joe Schmo, because I, I feel like they know their stuff. So I really think there's an element of confidence in it as well as being able to recognize your own authority to share the information and know that you have a deep understanding of that and kind of revel
1: in it. That's a great example because I think about Joe Schmo and it's often uncomfortable when you give a compliment and the person shies away, even though it seems like what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be coy. You're supposed to blush. You can't just say, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's too bad. And I mean, there's some imposter syndrome there for sure. Um, But yeah, I, I think, I think part not, it doesn't have to be a major part, but I think part of being an expert is recognizing what you've got and the badassery of your knowledge and, and being confident in what you know.
1: Absolutely. And I also think that people shy away from the word expert because they're waiting for a, a certain milestone. You know, in 10 years, I'll be an expert at X number of hours of coaching. I'll be an expert, but that doesn't mean that you have to wait for those kind of invisible milestones, the things that you make up to finally say you're an expert. And the sooner that you start saying it and acting in that way, not only does it build your confidence, but it builds your credibility. I don't want to work with somebody that doesn't think of themselves as an expert because when they are confident, it tells me I can trust them. It tells me that I can be confident that they are doing exactly what I asked them for or exactly what they're going out to create for me. And the other beautiful thing about being an expert is that experts ask for help. Being an expert doesn't mean you have the answer to every single question. It means you aren't too afraid to say, I'm not sure, let me get back to you. To me, that's what experts do.
0: And I think that often experts will have, because they consider themselves an expert in a certain industry, they have a natural hunger as well to fill in the knowledge gaps when they recognize that they have them. And I really respect that with people that I've worked with who I consider an expert and they recognize their expertise as well. But yeah, when they realize there's something they don't know, they want to find the solution and they'll put in the work to find those missing pieces of information.
1: You're a hundred percent right. Yeah. Experts are, they are hungry. They want to know more. They want to learn it and not just to, Impress somebody, but to continue building their own credibility and saying, if I don't know, I'm going to find it. I also think that experts surround themselves with other really confident, competent people. So if it's not me that can help you, guaranteed I can find someone in my network who can. As an expert, I'm also not going to take on something that is so far out of my realm of experience or expertise and potentially suck at it. I have made a really solid statement that I am not going to try and do a hundred things and do a mediocre job of all of them. I would rather do five and be really good and not get caught up in having to prove myself and feeling like an imposter all the time. So instead of being an imposter, I want to focus on how can I be an expert? If you get caught in the trap of feeling like an imposter, notice how I am not going to go on and on about imposter syndrome or imposter complex as it's called. Instead, I'm gonna refer you to a fantastic resource. The Being Boss Podcast has a fantastic episode with an expert in imposter syndrome named Tanya Geisler. And she actually goes through some of the tenets of imposter syndrome and how to break them down. So we're gonna link to that in the show notes. I encourage you to check out that episode. It's one that I have listened to over and over again. Anytime I get those fraudy feelings, I pull this out and go, right, I have the tools to combat this. So not only are experts confident in what they do, they find a way to say what they're great at, they accept compliments, and they look for other experts. One final thought on accepting compliments, and by now you may know that I have a secret love of the Real Housewives franchises, and there is one housewife in particular, Erica Jane from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and she is the master of accepting compliments. If I have any Real Housewives fans, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Whenever somebody says, Erica Jane, you look so great, she just says, thank you. I call this taking the toast. If you imagine a toaster, when you put your bread in the toaster and you press the button down to create toast and activate the heat, that is taking the toast. It's internalizing the bread. So when some people that I will give a compliment to, they don't take it, they blush, they get shy, they deny it, I go, no, take the toast. Internalize the compliment and say, thank you. So I encourage you to start taking the toast. And I would love to know from you, join us on Instagram and tell us, if you let go of any of your insecurities about being an expert, what would you be doing? What would you be telling people that you're an expert at? And what would you be sharing? I know we get held back often by our own insecurities, our own feelings of being an imposter. But if you stop for a second, put all that on pause and said, I am an expert. What are you an expert on?
0: We've asked that question of our listeners and now I have a question for you, A.W. It's time for WWAWD or What Would Amanda Wagner Do? This one's a little bit different um, because I'm cutting in line and I'm, the question is for me this week. Yay! (laughs) Uh, And it's less of a what would you do, but I still would really like to hear your thoughts on this one. Uh, A.W., I would like to know what the, it's been a wild year. I would like to know what the hardest part of this year has been for you.
1: Do we have that kind of time? (laughs) Um, Great question. What has the hardest part of this year been for me? I think for me, it is the self-imposed pressure to be on all the time, especially in supporting other business owners and leaders. I wanna make sure that they have a safe space I want to make sure that they feel supported. They can come to me. They can cry. They can be challenged, um, be frustrated and pissed off. And I always want to give permission to people to feel what they're feeling. But sometimes I forget that I'm allowed that too. I was in a session earlier this week and I could tell that the team just wasn't there like they normally are. And I have led enough sessions to know that when the team is off, it's your responsibility as a facilitator to do something about it. It would have been a disservice for me to keep going with what I had planned. So instead, I stopped and said, something's off. Are you tired of everything that has been going on and all the things we've been talking about? And I started to call it resilience fatigue. Tired of being the one who gets back up or the strong one. I find this, especially with leaders and business owners, they feel like, okay, I'm I'm steering this ship. Therefore, I need to be the one who has my shit together all the time. What ended up happening in the session is I asked people anonymously. I got everyone to close their eyes. Anonymous to each other, not anonymous to me. And I said, would you rather hit pause right now and go forward another day? And the majority said, yes, we need to stop. The hardest part for me this year has been what I'm calling resilience fatigue. I hit a point in August that I've, I've shared before where I went, I just want to be the client. And it feels like something you're not allowed to say especially when people hire you, they give you money, they want to work with you. It feels like there's not a lot of room to be a human in there. As much as we hear that, you know, we value resiliency, we value with that authenticity, we want you to be real. You also want to know that the person you're hiring and the person you're with is settled and stable and there to support you. And I am settled. I am stable. I am here to support you. And I'm still tired. So the hardest part has been letting myself not be on. And I'm still struggling with it.
0: That's fair. And, you know, being on has been an entirely different definition this year too, right? Because of the online component. Absolutely. Um, And that's a whole other level of having to We've talked about being feeling very performative when you're attending a Zoom meeting and having to smile and be engaging because you feel that responsibility to the speaker yes. because we've both been in that speaker's shoes. Just yeah. a, it's a whole other level of, of being tired yeah. and being on. It's, it's very different when you're doing it online.
1: I, I'm Zoomed out, really. And we've also both experienced this where we work so much in the digital space right now that when it comes to gathering with friends or like having a zoom games night, I am not into it. I just can't. I'm scheduling more and more things in my workday so that when I'm done, I don't have to be on my computer. And I think that's really smart. I
0: think that uh, was a really bold and important move that you've made to, to really have that conclusion on your day and to give your poor brain and your poor eyeballs a break.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for that question. I'm definitely thinking more about what the hardest part has been because I have been on. I haven't totally let myself think about it yet. This is the first time that I'm kind of pausing and going, can I name one thing? And it's going to be different for everybody. So I always hope that in this section of the podcast, somebody out there listening is saying, okay, those are the words that I needed to hear. I'm allowed to feel that way too. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you for
0: responding to the question that I threw at you today. And to our listeners, please continue to submit your questions. I'm sorry I butted in line. We will get back to your questions in the next episode of the podcast. You can submit them via Instagram at TheAmandaWagner or visit TheAmandaWagner.com and submit them via the contact form there. Thank you for
1: joining us for today's episode where we talk all about expertise and overcompensation. We would love for you to follow along with us on social media at the Amanda Wagner on Instagram, sign up for the monthly newsletter. We are wrapping up going to be the last two of the year and please share this episode with a friend. Naturally, when I launched this brand in January, 2020, this is not what I expected it to look like, but I'm so incredibly proud and pleased and delighted to say that Liz and I are coming up on our one year anniversary of podcasting and I could not be happier. If you have listened to any of the episodes or have any feedback, we would love a review through the iTunes podcast app or just send us a message on Instagram. We would love to hear from you. I totally agree. And AW, it has
0: been a delight to be along for the ride over the last, I guess it's been like 11 months since we launched this podcast, excited to celebrate one year and we're getting close to the end of our podcasts for 2020. We have just a few left. We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And until then, everyone, we will see you on the internet.